It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello and welcome to episode 73 of the UK True Crime Weekly Podcast. I'm Adam. Thanks for joining me this week and don't worry, there'll be no rant on reviews today. Bigger news this week is that we have passed a thousand members on Facebook, which is great news. Do please join us, it's a real mix of people. It's interesting and it's good fun. In today's case from Liverpool, we see the familiar theme of a younger, physically attractive person forming a sexual relationship with someone much older. In this case, the age gap is 38 years and enjoying the financial benefits of this arrangement. But as is often the case with this sort of arrangement, expectations from the relationship can differ, leading to issues. Before we begin, I would like to thank all my supporters on Patreon, but especially this week's new supporters, that's Sarah Arnold, Erin Culpepper and Jack Clothier. Thank you all so much for your support. I'm delighted that this week's show is sponsored by The Economist magazine. Get your free copy of The Economist now. Visit economist.com slash truecrime. Just enter your details for your free copy delivered direct to your door. Now I've read The Economist for years. The Economist is about far more than just economics and finance. It covers a range of subjects from politics and business to science, technology arts and the environment. I love the variety of the articles. In the latest episode, my favourite two articles were a great piece on Moldovan wine, something I'm now keen to try, and a really interesting article around tourism in the Philippines. I had no idea how much things had moved on since I last visited that country 15 years ago. There's also another fascinating article you won't want to miss about the somewhat prickly relationship between India and Nepal. Take a look today. You won't be disappointed. The Economist helps readers prepare for what's going on in the world around them. And in today's dynamic world, when we're not always sure of which news sources we can trust, facts matter more than ever. The Economist is the smart guide to the forces changing your world. So get your copy now. Support this podcast and get your free copy of The Economist by just visiting economist.com slash truecrime. That's economist.com slash truecrime. Just enter your details for your free copy delivered direct to your door. Let's quickly set the context for today's story. At number one in the UK charts was The Wanted with all-time low, keeping We Know Speak Americano off the top spot. In the US, top of the tree was I Like It by Enrique Iglesias with Pitbull. Is that your cup of tea? As you probably know by now. I'm not so keen. In the news this week, Operation Iraqi Freedom ended with the last of the US States Brigade combat teams crossing the border to Kuwait. And in the UK, amusingly, Lord Pearson of Rannoch announced that he was to step down as leader of the UK Independence Party less than a year after being elected to the position, stating that he is not much good at party politics. Wow. Nowadays, if you stayed for a year as leader of UKIP, there'd be a gold watch and a marble statue built. 
At 65, Brian Finnegan had retired as a physics and maths teacher and he was enjoying his retirement in Tubrook, an inner city area of Liverpool in the northwest of England. One of 13 siblings, Brian was an intensely solitary, private and religious man. He was even described by some as bordering on reclusive. He had taught at a number of schools in the Merseyside area during his career and he was proud of his time teaching and the positive impact he'd had on so many young people that he had taught. Brian had never married or had serious girlfriends. This was due to the fact that Brian was in fact gay, although this was something he hadn't shared with any of his family or friends. And why should he? It was his own business. His most frequent visitor was his older brother, retired Catholic priest, Father Jimmy Finnegan. And he also occasionally saw his nephew, Anthony Jones, who lived in a self-contained flat at his property. Just a year earlier, the trio had experienced a nasty incident at Brian's home when a burglar broke in. Brian boarded up a window to try and stop the intruder, Lee O'Keefe, escaping. And with the help of his older brother and nephew, they managed to keep the intruder in the house until the police arrived. This wasn't easy to do and Brian's brother was assaulted when O'Keefe kicked him in the face trying to make his escape. O'Keefe was eventually convicted in court and given a three and a half year sentence for aggravated burglary, assault and common assault. In court, O'Keefe said in his defence that he heard voices and the devil had told him to do it. Of course, it almost goes without saying that in the local newspapers, Brian's neighbours reacted with shock as nothing like this ever happens around here. As we know, these things always happen somewhere else and to someone else. But now a year on, his nephew Anthony was becoming concerned as he hadn't seen Brian for a while. Could it be that Brian had been targeted again and attacked and hurt by another intruder? His nephew had last seen Brian on August the 23rd, 2010. And as the days went by, both he and his uncle became suspicious that they'd not seen him. So on the 1st of September, they finally called the police about their concerns. When officers arrived at Brian's flat, there was no response to their knocks on the door, so they forced entry to the house and broke down his bedroom door. It was there they discovered Brian Finnegan dead in bed, wearing his pyjamas. It was first assumed that he died from natural causes, but when his body was examined by a pathologist, suspicions arose over bruising to his neck and pinpoint hemorrhages associated with strangulation. Surely it couldn't have been murder. Brian's family had no idea who would have any motive whatsoever for killing such a gentle and private man as Brian. Or was it behind this veil of privacy that he potentially led a double life of which they were unaware, and this had led to his death? The post-mortem confirmed that Brian had indeed been murdered. The pathologist, Dr Shepherd, said, I concluded that the pattern of injuries to the skin, muscles and larynx were consistent with forceful or very forceful application of pressure and some degree of blows to the larynx causing asphyxiation. In my opinion, Brian Finnegan died as a result of manual strangulation. He said that bruises and abrasions on Brian Finnegan's body were consistent with assault or restraint. Dr Shepherd also observed three disc-shaped lesions, two on his abdomen and one on his back, and concluded that they were suggestive of cigarette burns. 
So not just murder, but it seems that Brian was potentially tortured too. This was incredibly tough for the family to hear as they thought about the fear that Brian must have felt in the time leading up to his death. Officers from Merseyside Police immediately began making house-to-house inquiries in the local area and a full-scale murder investigation was soon underway. The detective leading the investigation, Detective Chief Inspector Neil Bickley, said, The victim was found at his home on Wednesday, the 1st of September, and we are keen to speak to anyone who may have seen anyone acting suspiciously towards the end of August near to the West Derby end of Green Lane to come forward. I would urge anyone who has any information which can help us with our inquiries to contact detectives immediately in confidence. His emotional brother reacted to the death of Brian saying, He was a gentleman, my right hand man, a guardian angel. I am broken hearted. With no sign of forced entry, detectives soon ruled out burglary as a motive. They believed that Brian knew his killer and had invited them into his home. Conversations with Brian's family quickly led detectives to identify their prime suspect. Brian's nephew told police that Brian had recently mentioned being roped into privately tutoring a Romanian lad and said that this coincided in Brian dressing in new, more modern ways. He'd previously been a very conservative dresser, but more recently Brian had started to dress with more colour and also to wear bright new trainers. Had Brian met someone and fallen in love? Detectives looked through his phone, camera and laptop where they found a Facebook account on Brian's computer and pictures on a camera referring to presumably the same Romanian man mentioned by his nephew who they discovered to be 27-year-old Constantin Nan. They tracked him through his driving licence to a flat nearby on Jubilee Drive, Tubrook but when detectives arrived at the property to question him they found that he was no longer living there. But a former housemate was able to tell them that Nan had told friends that he befriended a man named Brian, that he lived in a big house and that Nan wanted to move in with him. It seemed immediately clear to police officers that Brian was in a romantic relationship with Constantine Nan and the fact he had disappeared seemingly in a hurry so soon after Brian's murder left him as a person of considerable interest. It was now just a question of finding him and asking him questions about his relationship with Brian. Detectives immediately began looking for Nan, but it didn't prove to be as easy as they had hoped. It was thought he had left the UK and returned to his homeland Romania. Magistrates in Liverpool granted officers a European arrest warrant for Nan. Wow, a magistrate doing something useful, whatever next. Hmm, probably best we don't pause on how out of touch unaccountable and unrepresentative of the communities they serve magistrates in the UK are. By comparison, they make the parole board look like best in class, which is really saying something. Officers in Merseyside liaise with Interpol and Romanian law agencies with no success. Then early in May 2012, a full 21 months after Brian's murder, Nan was finally found and taken into custody. When questioned, Officers wanted to find out as much as possible about Nan, and he was happy to talk. Nan told detectives that he grew up in a Romanian orphanage. He was convicted of burglary and theft back in Romania when he was a poor teenager, but he wanted more from his life 
so he came to the UK in search of easier access to education and hopefully money. When he arrived in the UK, he worked in a variety of menial jobs to raise the money he needed to fund his education. He told how he met a coach driver in Oxford who gave him money for sex. This man told him he could earn a lot more money if he had other sex with other men that he knew, especially if he was happy for the sex to be filmed and distributed. Nan agreed and took payment after he went on to be filmed having sex with groups of men. It was at this time that Nan really realised that the way he looked was attractive to some men in the UK and this was an easy way to make the money that he wanted. Nan told detectives how he met Brian at Liverpool Central Library in July 2010. Brian approached him and started to chat to him about films. He then invited him for a coffee at Liverpool One's Costa before buying him a £50 Godfather DVD set from HMV. The next day Nan told how they visited nearby New Brighton to look at the architecture and it was at this point that their relationship became a sexual one when Nan carried out, as they say in the papers, a sex act in Brian's car parked behind the TJ Hughes store. For those of you who think romance has passed you by, that wondrous moment in the cramped car by the store surely is all the evidence you need to know that those beautiful moments of romance could still happen to you if you are very, very lucky. As the relationship progressed, Brian bought Nan gifts including clothes, books, a violin, golf clubs, a mobile phone, small amounts of cash and he took him to see his beloved Everton Football Club at nearby Goodison Park. He also took Nan on other trips including to London just a week or so before Brian's death. Nan was very honest about the nature of the relationship and when detectives asked him whether he was essentially being paid for sex, he agreed that he was. But it was clear that Brian had a very different view of the relationship and he was besotted with Nan. In one text, Brian told Nan that he loved him. Although Nan replied with a similar sentiment, he was clear that from his part, it wasn't meant in a sentimental way. He said that for him it was just friendly, no more. I would say I love you to anyone for a thousand pounds. It became very clear to detectives that although Nan liked Brian, for him it was all about the money. So if Nan was enjoying Brian's money, why would he kill him? As you've probably guessed, detectives believed it was purely about getting his hands on more of Brian's money. At some point, Nan became familiar with Brian's online bank account, which had recently had £13,000 paid into it, and Nan began trying to access it through the computer at his flat. Detectives believe that Nan wanted all this money for himself and tortured Brian to obtain his PIN number and forced him to sign £9,000 worth of cheques. He then strangled Brian before taking as much money as possible from cash points and then leaving the country. He headed to London, then bought a one-way ticket to Paris, but returned to Liverpool and sold Brian's iPhone at cash converters before leaving for Paris again and then on to Romania. The last time he was tracked by the authorities was when his passport was scanned as he crossed the border between Croatia and Serbia on August 30th. Although he continued to deny murder, detectives believed they'd enough evidence to secure a conviction and the case was heard at Liverpool Crown Court. In front of the jury, 
27-year-old Constantine Nan denied murder, fraud and theft. Prosecutors said that Nan killed Brian on the 23rd of August 2010 and then tried to cash cheques worth £9,000 from Brian's account before fleeing abroad. But giving evidence, Nan flatly denied this, saying that the last time he saw Brian, he was alive and well. Ian Unsworth QC defending Ian Unsworth QC defending asked Nan if he'd been with Brian on August the 23rd. He replied yes. But Nan denied murdering Brian at his house that night. Unsworth QC asked, Did you burn him with cigarettes? He replied, No, I don't even smoke. Did you assault him? Did you torture him? Nan again replied no. Unsworth also asked if Nan cleared up the room after the alleged murder, but he denied it. Nan was questioned on whether he wanted the relationship with Brian to end. Nan, who believed he was being paid cash and given presents to sleep with Brian, replied, Yes, I did. But the friendship? I didn't want that to end. Unsworth said, When you left the house for the last time, where was Brian and how was he? Nan replied, He opened the door like usual. I don't really remember. Around the time when prosecutors said Brian was killed, Brian's Barclays bank account was accessed, both from his home computer and other devices. Nan admitted that this was him, and even admitted it was his voice speaking on a Barclays helpline, claiming to be Brian Finnegan. He was asked, why were you pretending to be Brian Finnegan? Nan replied, he was struggling with logging online. I told him I was going to do it on his behalf. At 1.30am on August 24th, just hours after prosecutors say he killed Brian Finnegan, Nan called for a taxi to pick him up at Brian's Green Lane house and take him to his rented flat on Jubilee Drive. He then took another cab to the main train station in Liverpool, Lime Street, and caught the overnight train to London Euston. Prosecutors said he was clearly leaving the scene of the murder. Unsworth asked, why were you leaving Liverpool? To which Nan replied, to go to Germany, to buy a car. When asked if Brian knew about his trip, he replied, yes, we discussed it. Nan accepted that he withdrew £300 from Brian Finnegan's account at a cash machine at Lime Street and that Brian had given him the PIN number. He also accepted that the next day he tried to cash three cheques for 3000 each from three different banks in London. Unsworth asked him, who signed these cheques? To which Nan replied, Brian. But when asked who wrote the letters and numbers on the cheque, Nan said, me, it's my writing. He insisted he was acting under Brian's instructions. He added, I know it's a lot of money for me, but it was about trust. He had money. There were no arguments about it. But the jury didn't believe Nan's account, and jurors found him guilty of murdering Brian on the night of August 23, 2010, before going on the run to the continent. He was also found guilty of the theft of Brian's bank card and fraud relating to trying to cash cheques and phoning Barclays pretending to be his victim. At sentencing, Judge John Roberts told Nan, He fell in love with you and loved you. There's no doubt in my mind that this was the case. He thought you were a couple together from soon after you met. You let him think that you felt the same about him. You viewed him more as a friend and I'm quite satisfied that you soon came to view him as a source of funds and presence. The sexual relationship continued between you for some six weeks from mid-July 
and overnight on the 23rd, 24th of August when you murdered him. This murder was a cold and calculated crime committed by you for gain. You killed the man who'd given you so much in order to get all or nearly all of what he had in terms of cash. You got greedy. He was in love with you. You were in love with what you could get out of him. He jailed Nan for life and said he would have to serve a minimum of 31 years before he could be considered for parole. However, under the terms of the agreement, which saw Nan transferred from a Romanian prison where he was in jail for burglary to face trial in Liverpool, he had to be returned there the next year to serve his sentence. Detective Superintendent Dave Brunskill, who led the investigation, said, Brian Finnegan was a private man who kept himself to himself. He was generous in nature, looking after his elderly sister for eight years before she died, and it is this generosity that Constantin Nan exploited for financial gain. Motivated by greed, Nan engineered a relationship with Brian in order to gain access to his savings. After murdering Brian, he fled, and it took a prolonged police investigation and cooperation from the authorities in Romania to get him back to face British justice. He added, I'm pleased that a dangerous and remorseless offender like Nan is now beginning an extremely long prison sentence. So what do you make of what we've heard today? The age-old combination of a couple with a large age difference often causes problems, as both are often in the relationship for very different reasons. But then again, we all know of people blissfully happy with a large age difference. Well, at least this is the impression we get from their Facebook postings, so it has to be the case, right? In this story, we should of course feel sorry for Brian. He must have hoped that he'd found love later in life. He would have suspected that his money played a role in the relationship, but he'd have no idea what was going to happen until that fateful evening with Nan, when he went from being a charismatic lover to a chilling killer. I struggled that moment that Nan actually decided to go through with murder. Sure, even the most easygoing and self-righteous of us would have had a brief thought about causing harm to someone, but we quickly dismiss it from our thoughts as ridiculous, right? I wonder at what moment Nan actually decided to follow through on his murderous plans. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the UK True Crime Weekly podcast. Please join us on our Facebook group to discuss all aspects of UK true crime. And remember, there is a special prize of a £2 voucher of your choice for the 97,000th person to join. If that isn't a reason to join us, then I'm lost for words. To support the show and to allow me to keep producing weekly episodes, please go to patreon.com slash UK true crime. You will find 13 full length bonus episodes plus other exclusive content. So that is all from me for today. So until we speak again next week, I am off to field the messages supporting UK magistrates and then to maintain the high levels of enjoyment I will get from doing so, I will poke forks in my eyes for the next few hours. So until we speak next week, it's cheerio for me and remember, stay classy. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.